three roommates cling to their old school ways when a fourth comes into the picture with some modern ideas. Is this, is this the TV show New Girl? Oh, it is not. It's basically Flight of the Concords as a modern fantasy piece. Um, it may be the newest movie we've done so far. Hmm. Uh, and as a kind of a counterpoint to today's movie, it's just pretty much straight up silly. And that's why it's so lovable. Uh, Kay, have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? I have not seen that, but uh, I hear nothing but great things about it. It's fantastic. Taika Waititi is the director and also <laughs> and also one of the stars. And he is now known for Thor and some other I think he's on track to do some other pretty big movies I'm not sure which they are what they are but he's having a major like moment right now but this is one of his um actually one of his shorts that he adapted into a feature-length film and it stars Jemaine Clement from Fight of the Concords uh Reese Darby also shows up at one point it's fantastic but we'll see what you think I'm actually very excited to watch it because this is something I've been aware of for a long time but it's just you know as you well know, these things get lost in the shuffle, so you know? I'm, I'm excited to actually have a specific motivation to watch it this week. So it's 6 p.m. in the nighttime, which is when I wake up. This is always a really scary part for me. Yes! Nighttime. So now I'm going to wake up my flatmates. Hello and welcome to K-Have You Seen? I'm Kari. I'm Kyle. And today we're talking about What We Do in the Shadows, a mockumentary um, of epic proportions. I we, don't know. <laughs> we may even start talking about what we actually do in the shadows. Ooh, but... I don't know if they're ready for that. Yeah, probably not. Uh, okay, so anyway, let's start off with a brief synopsis. Uh, Viego, Deacon, and Vladislav are vampires who are finding that modern life has them struggling with the mundane like paying rent, keeping up with the couture wheel, trying to get into nightclubs, and overcoming flatmate conflicts. Uh, what this doesn't mention is that they get another roommate eventually who is a very recent vampire, um, and hilarity ensues as they're kind of doing a young and old pairing. But yeah. yeah. So, uh, Kyle, were you familiar with this movie at all? I had definitely heard of it um, from a handful of people. Uh, not... Obviously, the blockbuster hit of the summer. Um, It was kind of a... I mean, it was always just going to be kind of a small indie feature, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But yes, I had heard of it for a couple of years now, because it's only been out since 2014. And Mm -hmm. uh, it it just was something that had just come up every once in a while, and I was intrigued by it, but I never actually sought it out to watch it. Well, are you happy that you watched it now? I am. I'm definitely glad that I saw it. I enjoyed it very much. Um, Which... I'm sure this will come up often in this discussion. I'm not a huge fan of the mockumentary style. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't care for The Office, which I know is... Oh. I know, I know, Wait, I know. how did I not know this about you? I don't know. I, which is weird because I love Parks Do you and hide it? Is that a... Uh... It just doesn't come up very often. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily care for the mockumentary format. I'm very lukewarm on it. I, do, I just don't care for it that much. Um, also, the style of humor in this movie worked in this movie for me but i also don't care for the kind of cutesiness that kind of comes along with a lot of this i don't know i feel it it fit a little bit into the uh, the twee comedy 
twee comedy. I don't know if you're not familiar, familiar with, with the term. Well, like Flight of the Concords sure. and yes, Dimitri it is Martin very cute. and things oh, like that. Okay. Anyway, that, I, I don't really know a good way to fully describe tweeness, but this felt like it was kind of on the edge. Gotcha. So you're not a big fan, is what you're saying, of the kind of cutesy. Yeah, new girl. Not, well, goofy. I, well, I, I love New Girl, which is I weird, do. you know. It, it, but again, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this movie had a lot going against it for me, oh. and I still enjoyed it very much. Gotcha. Well, you're not totally alone. If you did not think it was perfect, I'm going to read some uh, poor synopses, or at least just like poor ratings that touch on the plot. Um, one from Amazon was. Many factors can make an enjoyable movie. Good writing, characters which you can identify with or admire, characters with realistic motivations and reactions, innovative film ideas, good continuity with similar movies, impressive special effects, great production values. This film has none of the above. Suddenly, vampires can fly in human form, with wire suspension painfully obvious, in quote. None of the characters in this film were likable. The lead character tried to appear cute while talking about killing and eating others. The police constable seemed like her primary aim was to get in as many implausible lines as possible. The least annoying characters seemed to be those who talked the least. So, not everyone loved this movie, but <laughs> overall it did get a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, does, it definitely... Uh... I will say this. Not many people I knew saw this movie, mm-hmm. but everyone I knew who saw it loved it. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I think it's just, I love, I guess, Twee comedy. The <laughs> Flight of the Concords, that's just kind of, that silliness, that really sweet, just, I don't even know good words for it, but I I do really like it. It's goofy. Some of our listeners may understand when I say that I was never a huge fan of Flight of the Concords, but I loved Tenacious D. Okay. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's just different styles a different it's basically playing the same comedy in different keys i feel like yeah you know i feel I mean? like there's kind of a darkness inherent in not not maybe not darkness but it, there there's such a lightness and and sweetness to flight of the concords and the Definitely. ones you're talking about Definitely. and tenacious d is a little bit like it's still super silly and goofy and funny but it's a little bit more it's a little grittier it's less like yeah, cute yeah so flight of the concords was a big part of this for sure mm-hmm. The other thing that's kind of like, you know, in 2014 wasn't necessarily as big, but now is kind of huge, is Taika Waititi, who is the director. He had done some short films. This movie was actually based on one of his shorts. Now he is having a major moment. He just directed Thor Ragnarok, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge, yeah, huge blockbuster. When you, when you direct a Marvel movie, you objectively have made it you in your made career. It. So I was curious, did you see any similarities between this and Thor? You saw Thor Ragnarok. I probably would have seen similarities if I'd seen Thor Ragnarok. <gasps> <laughs> you didn't see Thor Ragnarok? Oh my god, I didn't it's so see it. good. I know. I keep, it's very I, good. It was on a very long list of movies that came out toward the end of 2017 that I never actually got around to seeing. Fair enough. This one should be at the top. Though. I, know, Legitimately, I, know, I, know, I know. I know we have so many Marvel movies. Like I totally get that and I understand not wanting to give any more money to Disney or Marvel. I feel that. But this one is worth your money. It's you worth are, your You are assuming I have scruples about giving Disney more money to make more oh, good movies. Oh, I do. And I love Disney. But I'm just like, there's got to be some movies that I don't see, right? Like, there's got to be some movies that I don't pay my hard-earned dollars for. And so far, it's been, like, none of them. So Yeah, well. Yeah. The last Star Wars was okay. We can, we can talk about that at a later time and date, probably. But uh, at any rate... Um, but yeah, I I, I I I have heard 
that one of the things that made Thor Ragnarok so good was that uh, Marvel finally learned to let directors do whatever they want, and Taika Waititi uh, got the benefit of that. I really do. I feel like even choosing a director like Taika Waititi is like sure. that is saying, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let you do your thing because mm-hmm. there's. 10,000 of these movies, so... Well, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but you just reminded me, I feel like they may have learned a lesson from their situation with Edgar Wright and Ant-Man, which I don't know if you're familiar with this, but they hired Edgar Wright to direct the Ant-Man movie, but as Edgar Wright put it, he wanted to make a Marvel movie, but Marvel did not want to make an Edgar Wright movie, and so they had irreconcilable differences, Edgar Wright quit, and then they got some somebody else to do it. So... Maybe they finally learned their lesson about hiring interesting directors. I, I I would say that this is proof positive of that, but you know we'll see with the next twenty five of them that are coming out. Right, of course. But this episode is not about Thor Ragnarok. You know, only a little bit. It is very related. But um, so as far as the production of this movie, in addition to you know kind of I I don't know if this launched Taika Waititi's career. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge movie. It was about I think it was a one point six million dollar budget, which mm-hmm. is Pretty dirt cheap. Very, yeah. very cheap. Um, it, Are those in freedom dollars or Kiwi dollars? <laughs> Kiwi, Kiwi dollar dues. Great question. It doesn't matter. I, I think they're about, they're about the same. it was U.S. <laughs> I think they're about the same. Oh, I don't, I don't think they're so. They're pretty close. If it's U- anything like Australian dollars, they are not. But maybe they are now. Uh, anyway... I don't know what I'm talking about. International so, finance. This is the international <laughs> finance podcast. I know. I can't wait for all the people who are going to be like, uh, the exchange rate is currently at uh, 1.1. So, hey, what's um, a Bitcoin? You know, Bitcoin. Anyway. Tide pods. This is all... <laughs> Bitcoin, Tide pods. You know, oh, yeah, let's this... get real trendy. <laughs> so um, this movie, yeah, in addition to kind of being one of, I think, his earliest like big features, it's now launched. So I we both talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. Currently... I'm irrespective of the fact that we just chose to do the podcast on it, although this keeps happening, so I'm kind of wondering how much we're, we're influencing we the are culture influencers. right we now. We are internet influencers. Clue, coming out as a new movie with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. You think Ryan Reynolds just would have attached himself if people weren't buzzing about it? <laughs> I don't know. But there is a series coming out in the U.S. that um, Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi are um, EPs of. So that's executive producers sorry, in non-jargony yes. terminology. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't speak uh, film and television. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's gonna be set in the U.S., which is an interesting choice because I felt like New Zealand was really a character in this film. <laughs> we can just we can get into that for sure. Yeah. Oh, and all the the cast is also British. So um, I think I'm pretty sure the cast. Well, is British, we so. all know that vampires either have an Eastern European accent or British accent. Very true. There the is... Eastern European accents in this were very good. <laughs> were very noticeable. They're and very it was noticeable. okay. I will say this: hearing a combination of what I assume was supposed to be like Czechoslovakian and Australian or and, and New Zealander <laughs> together was a very odd thing for my ears to process. You know, but we're into that. We're into that. Like you know. Who do we not see doing things they don't get to do to stretch themselves? Check the Slovakian accents. Haven't seen it in Kiwis. But what is it? How does he say spaghetti? Gispetti? Gispetti. Gispetti, yeah. Gispetti. Um, something like that. But So that's one thing that's coming out. There's also a sequel in the works. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't see that. I, I Actually, I read that on the Wikipedia page a while ago that they've been kind of talking about doing a sequel about the werewolves. Yes. The, it's titled currently We Are Wolves. Apparently it was supposed to be What We Do in the Moonlight, but they changed that it. That is a much better title, I oh, feel Oh, I don't like. know. I, I love that. I hear We Are Wolves in like Reese Darby's voice and like, <laughs> We Are Wolves. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like you are. Um, and there's also... A spinoff in the works. 
Did you see this one? Is this the one about the cops? Yes. Yeah. So Wellington Paranormal, which is about the cops that have literally one scene, which is actually a really great scene, I thought. They, a lot of the <laughs> negative reviews on Amazon did not care for this because it was a little, it was a little like over the top silly, but like. When they're going around and they're like, oh, you don't have a smoke detector out here. And they're like, uh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, you do. That's great. That's great. <laughs> they're like hypnotizing the cop. It's so funny. But um, yeah, so there are at least three productions in the works spinning off from this movie that came out in 2014. So, right. you know, it's been a little while. But... They're, they're very quietly empire building is what's happening. Yeah, this is going to be the next Marvel Anyway, so this is, like you said, mockumentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting that this kind of worked on two different levels as far as mockumentary. Sure. And we can kind of get into them separately. But the first one was the vampire spoof. Mm-hmm. Like taking vampire, those kind of traditional myths and horror movies and stuff and mm-hmm. and really playing with those tropes. I feel like this is the humor that's very culturally literate. Like, yes. It, it definitely has a lot of movies that influenced it mm-hmm. and a lot of cultural pieces that influenced it. So I, I want to know what you thought of that. I thought that one of the strongest things that they did in this movie, that they unfolded at an extremely, what I would call a very confident pace, because mm. it was very slowly unfolding, was the world building mm. of revealing the idea that this is not just a movie about vampires. This is a movie about, vamp, like, focuses on vampires living in a version of Wellington, New Zealand, where they have populations of vampires mm-hmm. and werewolves and witches and warlocks and zombies etc and i thought that was really cool the way that they let that information just kind of unfold at a natural pace right you know like we don't see any indication of the werewolves for 20 30 minutes into the movie probably it's yeah. like it's pretty far in but it ends up becoming like kind of a key part of the narrative by the end I thought that was kind of cool. And mm-hmm. like I say, I feel like it, it takes a lot of confidence to have your world building basically take the entire length of the movie itself. Yeah. Because you know? um, I think the roommate situation was really the focus of the movie. Like, it was. We, we care about the... Obviously, the vampire stuff is interesting, and that's the point. But we really do... Yeah, we spend much more time kind of mm-hmm. on the relationships between the characters mm-hmm. than we do on, like oh, like, this is what New Zealand's like with, like, mythical mm-hmm. creatures. And, like, that's not that's not necessarily yeah. what we're interested but, in. And, and it's not in, like, the true blood way where, like, everybody just knows that these vampires... It's like they're still hidden. Like, yeah. all of these supernatural beings are still hidden from, like, the normies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so it's an interesting world, but and we're only really seeing kind of the tip of the iceberg. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. Like, you mean there's this whole population, there's a whole, presumably, world population mm-hmm. of vampires and werewolves and witches and stuff like that. And we're literally just focusing on the mundane lives of these four roommates. Yeah. That's a kind of a big joke, and I thought that was really funny. And I think that's so inherent with that, like, fly to the Concords type of humor that, like, also I think it's very, like, kind of New Zealand-ish where it's like, you know, they're just... I don't, I'm getting a lot of this from Flight of the Concourse, uh-huh. but that kind of diminutive, like, yeah, like, you know, we're not trying to make too big of a thing of your life. Like, this is just They're where the, we are, like, the, oh. The constantly it's... bullied little brother of Australia. Yes. And they yes. have that personality, yeah. for sure. It's just kind of a, like, oh, you know, like, I, I, I love waking up my roommates in the middle of the night. Like, oh, wakey, wakey, everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, very just like, oh, like, this is our life. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's part of the whole charm of it, I think. Yeah. And I also really loved, of course, another one of the major points of the movie was the kind of uh, the mundanities of vampire life. Yeah. Which 
you know, the things like the mechanics of not having a reflection. The oh way that God. you have... Like, I thought it was kind of... I'll be honest. Wasn't crazy about the part where uh, 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 Viago was, like, making, like, the teacup float in the mirror. Like, and he was, like, oh. looking at the camera. I was like... Oh, okay, okay, I get it. It's, I thought that was cute and, like, character established. Yeah, he's it, just, like, yeah. a little... He's a, he's a that's, goof. That's true. He's... But then they use the whole idea of not having a reflection to be like, yeah, we don't know what we look like when we get dressed to go out, so we have to, like, describe each other to each other. <laughs> Draw each other. Drawing portraits of each other. I was that like, was that my... is... Uh, that's kind of brilliant. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought some of the best comedy was how they took those, like, mm-hmm. kind of vampire myths and, like, whatever, and mm-hmm. then turn them into like this is how it affects your everyday right. life and the yeah. the mirror gag was like my favorite because they're they're literally like sketching out these terrible drawings yeah. of each other to show each other like what mm-hmm. they look like in that outfit yeah it's and, so good and then it, again it extends into like the werewolves too because like kind of their nemesis they're not even like enemies really they're just kind of like rivals or mm-hmm. nemesis or whatever this gang of uh werewolves uh, toward the end of the film when it shows them when the full moon is coming out and they're isolating themselves and, like, taking off their clothes so their clothes don't get messed up. I was mm-hmm. like, that's pretty cool. I like, I like that, too. That's, again, like, the things that you just have to do when you, this is a part of your everyday life. Right. I thought and that was interesting. Yeah, getting into the werewolves, too, because I think they're one of the best parts of the movie as well, which makes me super excited for a potential sequel just about them. But I, the idea of an alpha... Uh-huh. Having Reese Darby be the alpha when he is, like, one of the least macho. Like, yeah. he's just, like, a very kind of sweet, also, you know, diminutive, not super, it's, it, it's, yeah. like, imposing figure. And then he's the alpha of the pack, which usually you would think is, like, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest, meanest, scariest, whatever. Right. But he's it's more of this kind of, like, goofy dad figure. And he's always kind of just, like, harping on all the guys. And he's this mm-hmm. uncomfortable band leader type thing. And it's... It's so clever. Like, you would never think to typecast it's, that, but, like, yeah. him, it's it's perfect. It's funny to have it because it's, like, the implication, the strong implication is that he's the alpha because of his werewolf form is stronger than all the other werewolf forms. <laughs> but, like, as a person, he's just, like, this dweeb. But yeah. they have to, like, kind of, you know, still respect that because they know that he can, like, literally kill them when they're all in yeah. form. <laughs> and they're all just, like, kind of little puppies that just follow him around. Yeah. There's a joke at the end about how, like, they all have to laugh at his jokes because he's the <laughs> right, alpha. Yeah. So he's like, I look around sometimes and I'm like, oh are, oh, are you laughing? Are you laughing? What are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah. Just failed. It is so cute. And his <laughs> werewolves, not swearwolves. That one. That, that pops in my yeah, head on the right. That's good. That's really great. Werewolves, not swearwolves. Hey, hey, hey. Don't swear. And then we, so you know, sweet. and then of course, you know, well, let's, let's, let's kind of talk about it. Cause like we've, you, um, we've got our, our four main character or our four main roommates at the beginning right. of the film. You know, you've got Viago, as we discussed, who is the director, Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are all, all like the four of them are all kind of like references to different portrayals of vampires in like, popular fiction. So you've got mm-hmm. Viago, who I felt the closest thing that he was kind of... Because, like, they describe him as an 18th century dandy, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was kind of funny, which doesn't really have a direct one-to-one, but I thought it was kind of like the Barnabas Collins, Dark Shadows, romantic mm-hmm. vampire mm-hmm. character. Um, which, by the way, another thing that I loved was, like, at the very beginning of the movie when they show him do, like, 
The, I don't know if you ever saw the 1920s version of Nosferatu, the silent mm-hmm. one, but like the rising out of the coffin from like your heels, uh-huh. as stiff as a board, and he gets like halfway up and he's like looking at the camera and then he goes, yeah. I thought that was great. I was so excited to talk about this with you because I was as I was watching, I was like, there's so many references that like Lots. are probably just over my Lots. head. Honestly, that's not, you know, why I'm watching it, but <laughs> you were going to pick up on them. So I was excited okay, to good. be educated. Well, anyway, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very famous scene in what is considered the first I vampire movie. I have seen movie. that scene. I didn't okay. watch it and think like, oh, that's Nosferatu, but like, yeah. I have seen that as a trope. That is like the, the pivotal image i feel like from what is widely considered to be the first vampire movie and also a massive copyright violation that almost became a lost film because bram stoker's widow sued the film production company and ordered all prints be destroyed it's a very interesting story on its own that <laughs> we get we get a little side in the bonus episode in the bonus episodes i'd be happy to talk about 1920s german vampire <laughs> movies at length shocking um, so off brand. yeah <laughs> um then we we get to see uh vlad mm-hmm. uh jermaine clement from flight of the Concords. yeah, yeah. Who is the sexy Dracula? Um, although that only really comes up in the very, very beginning when he first yeah. opens the door. But that's like kind of the Gary Oldman version from like the the Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. from the nineties. Uh, I felt like that, I, which I thought was kind of funny. I felt like ter- inverting that version of like the the sexy Dracula and being mm-hmm. <laughs> just kind of obnoxious, more or less. Yeah. Um, that roommate that you're like, oh yeah. my god, put a sock on the. Yeah, roommate. right. Um, Deacon. Um, who was the, the young vampire, he's 183 oh, or something yeah. like that, um, which was, he, his persona, I felt like, is not, again, not a real one-to-one, but kind of like the Lost Boys, where he's like the cool vampire, yeah. like the punk rock vampire. He brings up the Lost Boys at one point. Yeah. I stole that from the Lost Boys. Though. Yeah. Have you seen the Lost Boys? I haven't. Okay, all right. Put it on the list. All right. And then, of course, you've got Peter, the 8,000-year-old vampire who was like the Nosferatu, Salem's yeah. Lot, really nasty, feral, like, rodent-looking <laughs> vampire. Um, who was it? It was like, and he said, you're a vampire now, and that's <laughs> Peter. <laughs> it was like, ah, <laughs> now you are vampire. And it was Peter. And we're still friends today. So, Peter, interesting, I thought, because uh, I, I can't take credit for this, but I saw something in one of the reviews I read online, how it's like, you may have seen this as well, where, like, the reviewer complimented the idea of having um, this, the very old, sort of classic version of the vampire tucked away in the basement in the same way that modern vampire movies kind of bury their traditions. And I was like, that's an interesting idea. Oh. Like, what tucking them away, like kind of tucking them away out of sight, out of mind. We're throwing, we're doing something very different now. Oh, sort of a twilight, like, oh, but you know. Our vampires are different. Yeah. Sparkly, that's why we don't go out in the sun. Yeah. Not like, okay, all and right. I thought that was an interesting thing. A metaphor. I and see. then, of course, we got roommate number five who comes in, who is, uh, it's Nick, right? That's mm-hmm. his name? Yeah, Nick, who is just so. Nick. some dude. He doesn't have like a vampire trope that he like abides by. He is right. just. And that's kind of the whole thing. He's yeah. kind of like, just, you know, all the, the traditions of a vampire. He's like, wait, why can't I tell everyone I'm a right. vampire? And then he figures out why. Yeah. But, yeah. And then, yeah, and he and his buddy Stu, who was, I thought, the funniest character oh, by a long so mile, uh, who, spoiler alert, becomes a werewolf at yeah. the end of the movie. So we've got the brand new vampire and the brand new werewolf, which mm-hmm. was a... Not till the end, but for a while he's just kind of his human, like friend yeah and he hangs out and at one point when they end up kicking nick out of the root out of the house because he like had 
drawn a vampire hunter into their home by being just like yeah, I'm a vampire. drunkenly I'm a vampire. at night. Yeah. yeah, you know Twilight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do I got? What do I got? <laughs> like, I'm a vampire like, hunter. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> all right, mate. <laughs> what a dickhead. And then when they have that roommate meeting to be like, oh, here's all the infractions you had against like yeah. Vampire Co. And he's like, you have you brought a human into our mix. And they're like, oh, but, but Stu- Stu's cool, though. So we like <laughs> yeah. Stu. And he's like, yeah, forget that one. We like Stu. I love how everybody loves Stu, even he's though he's so- just like a boring, dorky a IT guy. Like, software. everybody loves him. He works in software. You know, like Google Maps. <laughs> Which, okay, you may have seen this as well, but I thought this was really funny, is that apparently Stu... Mm-hmm. is the actor's real name as well. Oh. He is adorable. actually an IT professional. They told him he was only going to be in one scene and just improvise, just talk about what you do at your job. And then they kept bringing him back for more scenes. They didn't tell him he was going to be in more scenes because they didn't want him to be nervous. They wanted him to have like a naturalistic performance. And by the end of the movie, he was in like one third of the screen time. They did not tell him that when they brought him on. They're like, we'll bring you in for one scene. It'll be funny to talk about IT stuff. He's like literally teaching them karate at one point. Yeah. How did they make that happen? I think he probably caught on eventually, but like when they first brought him on, they're just like, just, just talk about your job. It's fine. Like, like we don't want to pay SAG rates. Just yeah. it's fine. <laughs> but I thought that story was hilarious because it, he, was, he was literally just some guy named Stu who they were friends with, and they brought him on to just talk about IT and software and you know Google uh, Maps. That's adorable. I did wonder throughout this movie, like how much of this is ad libbed? How much was just like, yeah, talk about vampire shit. You know, just <laughs> say whatever. Because it really was like you know Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi are credited as the writers mm-hmm. and believe the, maybe not both of them as the directors um stars writers and directors yeah. yeah so most of the people involved in this movie in a major way had like a lot of creative control it yeah. sounded like so i mean you can't really do a mockumentary without having a ton of ad-libbing you know you can't script it too tightly like you kind of got to know where the scene's going to begin and where it's going to end mm-hmm. but everything in the middle you kind of have to be good at ad-libbing yeah. you know yeah as far as references, was there anything else that you were like, oh my god, that's from this, that's from that? Um, just where, like, the four original roommates were obviously based on, mm. I thought was was uh, really good. Um, nothing else really stood out. I mean, obviously they mentioned, like, stealing that bit with the worms from the Lost Boys, mm-hmm. which is, like, a scene... Lost Boys, I don't love, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I think there are better vampire movies from the 80s, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's a handful that I'd like to bring on, even though they're very hard to find now because of ugh, rights. Anyway, uh, uh, I like the fact that they called that one up, which brings me to an interesting point that I, I'm always kind of fascinated with. If you watch a, a vampire movie, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, they act as though they don't know what a vampire is, as though they live in a world where, like, vampires don't exist as characters in fiction. Uh-huh. This is clearly a world where, like, vampires exist in fiction to the point where, like, they have seen the movie The Lost Yeah, Boys. vampires have seen vampire movies. Yes, exactly. So I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, defining characteristic of the world. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you watch other, you know, super, like, movies dealing with, like, Supernatural, like, Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. They don't know what a zombie is. Right. Or the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. They don't know what a zombie is. That's just a thing that happens. Whereas in this movie, it's like they know exactly, what, like, you know, everybody knows what a vampire is. It's just that presumably most people think that they are not real. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, Twilight exists in that movie. <laughs> yeah, Twilight and Lost Boys. Those are like the two versions that they, they actually <laughs> reference. Yeah. two vampire references. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did they ever say Nosferatu? I don't think so. Yeah, they they just, like, made Peter look Peter exactly like exactly, that, yeah. that particular yeah. vampire. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I didn't really notice any major references to, like, other vampire stories necessarily, but I, I, but I kind of appreciated that, because if this had been too reference-heavy, it would have gotten 
tedious. Yeah, I do think they did a really good job making, like, an interesting twist on a lot of mm-hmm. this. Or, like, we're talking about, like, a real-life take on what it would be like to have these certain limitations right. or tropes that go with vampires. Another one that we didn't mention yet was getting invited in. How, like, <laughs> yeah. how that affects your nightlife. Yeah. Because you have to go and talk to bouncers and be like, hey, will you... uh uh, can can we come into? The, will you invite us into mm-hmm. this club? And they're like, fuck off! Like, what yeah, are you talking about? Yeah. But um, yeah, so I thought that was funny. Uh, another thing we didn't really touch on is like the idea of uh, and this is something that doesn't seem to come up as often in like vampire stories, like modern vampire stories, is the idea of uh, the familiar. Uh-huh. You know, the sort of like indentured servant, more or less. Right. Um, which in uh, Deacon's case is more like a neglected. Girlfriend than mm-hmm. anything else, which it, uh, I, I thought that was an interesting. I can't remember her name to save my life right now, but I was hoping you were gonna remember. No, this. I no. totally forgot it. Give me a second. Um, which sucks because I was about to talk about how like she just gets like crapped on by the by by Deacon. Not but, super memorable. Yeah, not not super memorable, unfortunately. She but, like, was. She's a great character. She did, she did a great job with the character. Yeah, Jackie. Jackie, that's right. That's and that's right. her real name, apparently. <laughs> of course. So you know. Um. But she got hers at the end because she becomes a vampire and makes her, her shitty husband her familiar, oh my God, that was which so is pretty funny. good. Um, like, I love you, but you are my servant. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that uh, was that was a good um, that was a good payoff for her character because like the whole time I was like, oh man, she is really just like getting st- like she was definitely an oh honey character. Like you're getting oh, you're getting strung yeah. along here, even though you're probably being like hypnotized. But whatever, still. No, she seemed very, like, she knew what she wanted, she was in it, but yeah, yeah you're like, oh, girl, that's, that man's never going to marry you, what are you still yeah, doing yeah. there? Uh, but yeah, that was that was a, a good, I, I don't know, I liked that, too, of, like, a modern familiar, and she's like, okay, um, mm-hmm. cool, so, okay, you want, like, two girls, two guys, we're going to, she's, like, getting <laughs> them victims, and but she, she's like, you know, it's hard, because, like, it can't be anyone you like too much, because, right. you know, they will become victims. Oh, yeah, and then she's, like, calling people that she, like, went to high school with and hated. That yeah, was, that was like, pretty remember funny. remember how I you that. called me, uh, what did you, what, it was, like, some name. But you yeah, did. no, you, that, you did. that was you. You started that. You, you started um, anyway, that. You did. You she's did. in. You did. You did. Yeah. You did. She's in. Uh, but, yeah, that was, she was funny. That was a good character. And I thought that yeah. was an interesting, I guess we can kind of go into, then, the documentary tropes, because yep. that's the other... Mm-hmm kind of main spoof that they were taking off of that I thought I thought they did both really well and it was a yeah. really interesting combination but that was one I think kind of trope of like having that one part of that in crowd mm-hmm. that is still willing to break and kind of talk yeah against the the kind of protagonist it's, characters. It's funny because at the very beginning first of all I loved the um, New Zealand documentary board opening animation yeah. like they really went out of their way to like make it look like legit and then even in the closing credits they, it was like New Zealand documentary board anyway but from the earliest scenes with the roommates I thought this was going to go more in a direction of like Grey Gardens I don't mm. know if you're familiar with that one yeah okay where it's just like about these reclusive people in like a dilapidated house mm-hmm. Um, I thought that's the direction they're going in. They kind of used a little bit of that, like, um, similar to also the, uh, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the comedy series documentary now. Yes. Okay. So like they, each episode, for those who are not familiar, each episode parodies a famous documentary. Mm-hmm. So it's a mockumentary series where each episode is based on a feature length documentary. Yeah. And it's Bill Hader and Fred Armisen yeah. from SNL and they are so it's great. fantastic. Um, but anyhow, so they did an episode of Grey Gardens that was really funny. Anyhow. Yes. So I thought that that was what this was going to be going towards, but I'm glad they didn't stretch that out through the entire thing, because it would have been 
trapped in that house would have been quite tedious, I felt. Yeah, I thought the like real world interactions were a good part of this. I do think they did the documentary part of it really well. Yeah. Like there were some there were some moments in there that I was like, Oh, like, yeah, that's that's a documentary mm-hmm. moment. The um, the times when they're like referencing the cameras, which is especially funny because they're supposed to be like secret vampires right. or whatever. And so they're like, oh, you're, you know, you're telling everybody about us being vampires. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you are literally, you have the documentary yeah, right. following you around. Um, and, and actually this was funny because I totally forgot that this was supposed to be a mockumentary. <laughs> I, I've seen this movie once and I just remember really liking it and I love Flight of the Concords and just that style of humor. So it had a big impression on me. I just... Totally forgot that it was a mockumentary. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting pairing with, you know, stuff we watched before. Mm-hmm. Also that moment of kind of having the subject getting fed up, like getting, you know, you get all this access and then mm-hmm. at one point the subject's saying like, no, this is a private moment. And when Peter <laughs> dies, right. they're like, our friends just died. Get the cameras out of our face. Right. And it was interesting. Like it had perspective on... Both this like vampire horror trope, mm-hmm. and also what a documentary looks like. So that was so interesting of so a combination. The while we're talking about like documentary style, something I just thought of because you know a few weeks ago we talked about um, the King of Kong, which is an actual documentary mm-hmm. that sometimes feels like a mockumentary. Yeah. But one of the key differences, I, I feel like one of the things that you see a lot in mockumentaries, just as a style thing, is that you're never lacking the footage you want. Yes. Whereas in a real documentary, oftentimes you don't have the best footage, so you have to make do. So one of the things that I noticed, and this is true for this movie, it's true for The Office, which I don't necessarily care for, it's the only thing, the only mockumentary I've ever seen that doesn't, that isn't perfect, Mm -hmm. that is intentionally, replicates that imperfection of not always having the footage you need, was Arrested Development. Because for comedic uh-huh. effect, oftentimes, like, someone will say something and they'll cut to footage not found. Uh-huh. For, as a, as a punchline. And it always, it's, it, that's great on its own. But... It's interesting you say that, because I do think, I, I think The Office does it at certain times. Like, there's times where, you know, Michael closes the blinds or whatever. And sure, you have yeah, to yeah. kind of get right. around and you, you acknowledge the fact that, like, you don't get perfect mm-hmm. access. This one also, I think they could have done more with it, agreed. But there was the part where it was reenacted when, um... Stu gets turned into a werewolf. Yes. They have a that, reenactment. That, that's true. That is true. And I thought I that was an that. interesting nod to like, yes. yeah, you know, we were all running away from the werewolves. So this is, but I, I think they but, could have done more because it was agreed. too much of a perfect reenactment. Exactly. Well, the reenactment cheesier. was, I thought the reenactment was perfectly imperfect in my, oh, it, okay. the way I saw it. But I, it almost felt like an afterthought because that was in like the last 10 minutes of the movie. The last yeah, five minutes true. probably. Um, if that had been the kind of thing, if they had done that like, earlier on and I, I, I don't know I'm not too much of a stickler for that kind of thing but it's definitely something I noticed like if you're imitating the documentary format sometimes you also have to go out of your way to um, if you're going to make it like believable as a documentary style you kind of have to replicate the imperfections that happen when you're shooting a documentary mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. like you can't have the camera be everywhere you want it to be mm-hmm. so you have to kind of resist the urge to you know set up every shot the way you would in a non-documentary style. True. Um, which they really didn't do, I thought, enough of in this mm-hmm. one. The camera was always in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. Right. I, I think that's probably, you know, a true a true critique. Um, oh, it is indeed a true... It is, <laughs> factually, 
I'm trying not to say that's fair. I realize I say that's fair a lot. Anyway. um, Oh, God. I I, I shudder to think of the things that I say way too much other than than, um. Well, listening to your own voice on a podcast will really point (laughs) those things out to you. So one thing that I thought of while I was watching this was um, when we talked about King of Kong, one of my issues was I didn't think they used secondary sources nearly enough, but also appropriately. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't think they used secondary sources enough? Like... Yes. So, like, they... Archival footage, any kind of reference to anything outside of the original. Okay. Yep. We're not going to talk about King of Kong. I see in your eyes that you want to go in on this. No, I I had had a discrepancy because I I would call those primary sources if it's archival footage of the actual things happening. Okay. But anyway, go on, go on, go on. Things that they did not shoot themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I'll I'll go back to my college literature and see see if that's truly uh, primary or secondary. But this one, I was like, this now this is a good use of a secondary source or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Now you've thrown me off my game. But like the uh, the they use a lot of those um, this document the the like drawings and you know old texts and stuff that you're kind of supposed to imply is Jemaine Clement's character mm-hmm. or like, you know, it's supposed to be Vlad or Viago or whatever. They clearly yeah. cut them into some pictures and stuff. And I was like, see, this is what I was missing with King of Kong. This is what <laughs> yes. I was missing. <laughs> Just wanted to hang out on that. But anyway. Oh, God. All right. I'll let you have the last word on that one, even though i got a lot to say about King of Kong still. But anyway. Yep, too bad. Episode's over. Anyway, moving on. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a documentary spoof, I thought that it did a very good job. Um, cause you're right. They did bring in a lot of like old photos and mm-hmm. illustrations and things like that. Mostly early in the film to kind of mm-hmm. like show like the different characters backgrounds. Yeah. Um, which I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I feel like 8,000 is too many years old for Peter to be. <laughs> that is very old. Even yeah, for a vampire. 8,000. Think about that. 6,000 before the common era. <laughs> 6,000 years before the birth of Christ. That's too, too old. That is... Shit, if I remembered my uh, anthropology classes correctly, I could tell you, like, oh, that was the Bronze Age or whatever, but, like... That was, like, ancient was Sumeria, that? I okay. feel like. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That was very old. 8,000. That's Did he too say 8,000 for real? They said 8,000. They said okay. he was 8,000 years old. <laughs> and then he unceremoniously just gets killed. Yeah, you know? Sunlight. And a dramatic sunlight accident, I yeah, believe. A dramatic sunlight says. accident, yes. A friend was just killed. Friend is a, I feel like a strong word to describe Peter, hey, you but know, whatever. Roommates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, if I could tell you all the stories about the terrible roommates that I've had, present, Were they vampires? president company excluded. Yeah, sorry, Mike. But no, fuck Mike's you. Mike's the best roommate I've ever had. Aww. Anyway, does he listen to this podcast? Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Good that he truly is the best roommate. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that's just a small thing. I uh, just a quick sidebar. Just bar. giving some love to Mike. He's a great guy. You know, big fan. He's the best. Listen um, to his podcast. He has a podcast too. Yeah, Go trends in low places. It. It's a great, uh, it's a great title for a great podcast. Trends in yeah. low places on uh, uh, wherever podcasts are heard. All right, moving on from moving me, right along. giving Mike love part of our outline. <laughs> Is there anything? So I love asking this in just comedy, please, that we talk about. But like. What stood out to you as funny? What made you laugh in this? Did you laugh out loud? Uh, a handful of times. I I, I want to start, just to get it out of the way, a couple of things that I thought were obviously supposed to be big laughs that I did not care for. Okay. Because I don't care for them in comedies in general. They're cliches I don't necessarily like. 
I told I, I mentioned before I'm not a huge fan of this kind of comedy in general. Mm-hmm. That being said, dress up montages. Not a big fan of those. I think they're I I think they're all the same. I don't think there's anything new to say with a dress up montage. Two dancing. No wait, no wait, no wait. Go ahead. One. Go, ahead. One. go ahead. But with the 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 drawings though? No, that no, that was funny. That was funny. I I didn't necessarily care for like the constantly trying on new outfits. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I got it. I don't need to see... Like, I understand the concept that they are having to draw each other because I can't see their reflections. That's funny. It became less funny the longer that sequence went on of them just trying on new outfits and talking about, well, what about this? Is this cool? Is that cool? Oh, like, okay. I don't care. I don't care. That's not that... Anyway, All that's right, just I'll me. give you that distinction. That's fair. Yes. Also, dancing. That was a big old shrug, but I'll take it. Um, no, no, no. That's fair. I just said it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, cut this out. Dancing. Deacon dancing. I was like, this is unnecessary. I don't care for dancing. I don't think dancing is funny. I do not think that dancing is you funny. You loved it at Singing in the Rain. I thought dance. It was fun. It was good. I don't think that people dancing for comedic effect is funny. I, I, don't, I, I agree like, to disagree. If, if the joke is just, this person is dancing... It's not a joke. It's just not funny to me. It's I'm like, laughing just thinking about it. Just we are different in this aspect. It's like the only uh, time, like unless the, the the notable exception would be Napoleon Dynamite, only because it was the climax of the movie. But I thought that was the climax of Napoleon. One hundred percent, it was the dancing sequence. Listeners, please weigh in on this. Tell yeah, us. Yeah, maybe I need to rewatch Napoleon Dynamite. That was That's the climactic like a scene of the film. Scene to me. It was okay. the climactic scene of the film. Anyway. But just a scene dropped into a movie of a person dancing for comedic effect is just not funny to me. I don't know. It's just not... My friends were really into it. Anyway. Uh, so with that fine. out of the way, so what did I, what I think was funny, Vlad being 16 years old cracked me up. He's oh like, God. life is hard for a 16-year-old. Because <laughs> it's Jermaine Clement and he's like clearly probably... 45 in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love when they like aged him up too. <laughs> and he's like, the beast is just, just looked like, like crap. Yeah. yeah. This like little blanket, yeah, like, that was this old man face that, all of a sudden. That was excellent. Oh, um, Watch this movie if you haven't. Honestly, we should have said this at the beginning. Oh, Watch well, it for if sure, you haven't. For sure. Our our renditions of these jokes is not even close. They're not good. Go um, on. But the jokes are good. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> Vlad and the Beast was was pretty great. So, like I said it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Stu, the most consistently funny character throughout the movie, I thought, because every time he came on, it was just like clearly not. He was out of his element, but still seemed unfazed by everything. Yeah. Um, he was just hilarious throughout. Um, werewolves, not swearwolves. Very good. <laughs> Nick just being a shithead was really funny to me. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it was, it was just, it, it, being just like a crappy vampire, just like bad at being a vampire, yeah. eating the french fry and throwing up blood, which was oh. deeply unpleasant. That was very uncomfortable to watch. Oh, this got very, I forgot how graphic this gets. It's, it's not graphic graphic, but it's like, there's definitely some like, gross out humor like, of just like there's blood everywhere Nick puking up more blood than a single human body can feasibly contain was yeah. very gross and made me yeah. very uncomfortable and it but, was projectile too yeah, it was like all over the place out there but yeah but that being said overall I thought the excessive gore was actually kind of funny like on its yeah. own like I, I gore in general like it can be gross and it can but if it's like 
so far over the top it, and that you can't possibly mistake it for being real, mm-hmm. it can be kind of funny. Like yeah. the part where um, Viago brought the woman in and was talking about like just, I just want to make them comfortable in their last moments. And yeah. it was it was a very obviously a very long, drawn out process of just like <laughs> arterial spray. Oh, it was God. It was, again, kind of, cre- like kind of sque- made me a little squeamish, but at the same time, it was so, so over the top. It was kind of funny. And yeah. he just getting blood all over his And I love their conversation, too. And she's like, yeah, I'm just about to finish school. I'm going to travel. And he's kind of like hams towards the camera. I'm like, no, you're not. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, uh, <laughs> they could have very easily been just like a, that could have gone wrong. That joke could have gone wrong very easily, but yeah. it was yeah, pretty well executed. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, all those things, like, again, just Stu being a huge dork that everybody loves the mm-hmm. best was my favorite <laughs> running joke of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, those are the kind of things. Like, what about you? Like, you know, from when you first watched it or, or whatever, mm-hmm. like, what were things that you latched onto that made you think, like, this movie is great? Werewolves, not swearwolves. We've already talked about that, but it's just, it's so cute. Um, yeah, I mean, you've touched on a lot of good ones. The Beast, the reveal of the Beast is <laughs> so great. Because it turns out, again, go watch this movie. It, I don't want to spoil everything because it is, like, worth the payoff. But he, uh, is it Vlad? Which one is Jermaine Clement? Vlad, uh, Vlad, yeah. Vlad is, like, builds up this whole, like, we keep coming back to this idea of the Beast, his, like, arch nemesis, that he he's fought off so many times and he had some <laughs> humiliating defeat and that really, mm-hmm. like, threw off his juju and it turns out the beast is just this like toxic ex-girlfriend that he has (laughs) so he like meets up with her again and it's like oh the beast is here and it's just a girlfriend like and like and then they get back together and he's like yeah you know and it was unclear about whether or not she was directly responsible for him like withering and becoming very very old yeah i think that's what we're supposed to believe is that like or 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 his anxiety did that to himself, or if oh. she intentionally did it to him. I wasn't oh, clear about which okay. of those. No, no, no. I, I understood it as like his anxiety about her. Okay. her. His like internalizing his like fear and anxiety <laughs> about her turns him into this like gremlinish have, old haggard dude. <laughs> have you seen Bram Stoker's Dracula? No. All right. Well, that's on the list for sure. Sure. A movie a lot of people hate that I think is actually really, really? good. But anyway. Again, like we, I, I mentioned earlier, that like he, like Jermaine Clement's Vlad is sort of like a riff on the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. the uh, Gary Oldman version of like the sexy Dracula, mm-hmm. and he oscillates between looking like young and sexy Gary Oldman and very, 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 very old and decrepit looking vampire. And so I thought, like having that in mind, it made me definitely like laugh a lot more. I feel like than I might have at that yeah. of uh, of Vlad becoming just. You know. Oh, also, what is it? What is his nickname? What do they call him? Vlad who pokes people? Like Oh, the Impaler? Or no, 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 no. Vlad the Impaler is the real life Vlad Dracula that oh. he talks about in the movies. Like, I used to poke people with sticks, so they called me Vlad the Poker or something oh, like that. Oh, I totally missed that. I didn't get that reference, so that's funny. And <laughs> his torture chamber. He's like, yeah, it's my I torture swear, chamber. I swear. I swear. This has come up so many times in the last week that, and this is a sidebar. Uh-huh. I apparently have no idea what is considered common knowledge in terms of history. Like, I thought everybody knew who Vlad the Impaler was. Apparently not. No, I'm just an idiot. No, I don't know. It's it's all personal. Whatever. What else? <laughs> just, there were some, like, really cute, just, like, twists on the same old, like, kind of, you know, tropes. At one point, he says, like, just leave me to do my dark bidding. And they're like, what are <laughs> yeah. you bidding on? A table. Right, yeah. That, <laughs> He's like, on was... eBay. <laughs> 
That was kind of like a, that could have been a throwaway joke, but I thought it was really it funny. It absolutely was, but there were so many good, them, just really <laughs> clever throwaways. Them being like introduced to the internet, I forgot about. That was like, oh, that was God. a really good, just like kind of running gag. Oh from my like God, the, and he Skypes his like old, his old servant and he's like, I'm 90 years old. You promised me you would like give me eternal yeah. life and I've just wasted it and stuff. And he's like, oh, oh, oh bad connections. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> oh, that was really cute. Yeah. I, I feel like the premise is so simple of just like vampires interacting with the modern world and what does you know we see vampires in that like scary and like Mm -hmm. sexy way but like what is just their day-to-day life what's just some average joe roommates and what does that look like and this is something that like uh we're i I try not to think about it too much because i know they were obviously going for like jokes based on vampire tropes Mm -hmm. which i'm i I didn't have a problem with but like the more i like if i think about it too much it's like they're trying to show these vampires who are not, like, suddenly emerging after hundreds of years of slumber and having to learn the new world. They are in the modern world, and they have witnessed the changes that the world has gone through. Mm -hmm. And yet they have still yet to discover the internet until Nick shows up. Yeah, they're kind of just, like, old guys. Yeah, they're just, like, they're just, yeah, they're just old and not with it (laughs) in some ways, but very, like, but they still go out, like, to nightclubs. I don't know. I... A lot of the internal logic wasn't super consistent in that way. Not in a way that was really upfront and damaged the yeah. the way the movie played. But it the thinking about it after the fact, I was like thinking about all the possible ways that they could have gone mm-hmm. and but made very different movies. I want to be clear about that. Like I think that this one is definitely fine as it is. But I kept thinking about the possibilities. Like, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if they'd done this instead, or wouldn't it be cool if they'd done this mm-hmm. instead? One of the things in particular that I thought about was like, yeah, I was gonna ask, like what. If I could make one change, and I don't know if this would make the movie necessarily better, but one thing that I wish they had gotten a little bit more into was how they deal with the boredom of having basically been alive for at least 200 years, mm-hmm. you know? Because they're really getting into, like, the nuts and bolts of, like, the mundane, like, you know, the mundane activities. Like, mundane is, like, the word that comes up the most often, sure. I feel like. Yeah. Well, for good reason. But, and then also, like, how they have to deal with, like, practical limitations, like not having a reflection. What I would have kind of liked to see is an extension of, like, taking that another step farther into how being alive for that long impacts your, um, you know, your your psyche, mm. you know? And how the different vampires of different ages had, or were at, like, basically different in different headspaces as a result sure, of that. Sure. That I feel like could have been really interesting and still handled with comedy. I'm not upset that it wasn't there, but it was something that I thought about and I was like, it would have been really cool to see that play out. Right. They do reference at one point, like, ah, you don't really make friends with humans because they just die. Like, they just get old and right. die. But that's the closest we get, honestly, Exa- exactly. to acknowledging kind of what immortality has to do with yeah. the whole thing. And I, I agree that would be super interesting. I think that would be a whole movie's worth. Like, we would have had to trade basically everything that's in here. And I'm sure, like, of the hundreds of vampire movies that have made, I guarantee there's a handful that deal with that, but Mm -hmm. I don't know of any off the top. Like, a a vampire genre is not really my strong suit, but I I know a little about a little. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, that was something that I thought, like, that would have not been out of place in this movie. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I would be interested to see another movie with that take, for sure. Anything else funny that stuck out to you? Or, like, specific moments? Um, specific moments, not really. I, I, I did think it was funny how, we, when you watch, like, a documentary style, you know, whether it's a mockumentary or an actual documentary, like, you're not expecting, like, 
crazy things to happen. Like, mm-hmm. this is not a super special effects heavy movie, mm-hmm. but when they used the special effects, they were super effective. Yeah. Like, when, you know, because, like, a lot of times it would be, like, a big vampire move, but, like, normally when you see that in a movie, it's accompanied with, like, dramatic music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not having that <laughs> was actually really funny. Yeah. Like, when, uh, was it, uh, shoot, who was it? Vlad and Deacon, when they got, like, into an argument early on, and they both, like, kind of, like, oh, hissed yeah. at each other and, like, levitated yeah. off the floor. I thought that was really funny because, like, that was the first, like, major special effect that we saw in the movie. Right. But it doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself because it's just another argument between roommates and they get into a bat fight at one time yeah the bat the uh, bat oh my uh, god i forgot about that that was hilarious get into a bat fight they're like oh bat fight yeah that was great i thought that was really really funny uh yeah they really you're you're totally right and there's a couple times like um nick changes his face face. the first time that happened was like oh my god scary yeah and peter at the very beginning like i knew it was coming too it was funny because i was like carrying my laptop with me and trying to do something else as oh, I was watching gosh. the beginning and I knew it was going to be scary and I was like don't jump you're going to drop your laptop and I did it but I was like it's, it's coming I know that was I know a, how the scene ends I mean I haven't only seen it one time like that was a super telegraphed jump scare I oh, feel absolutely. like because like, it's because it's still you, effective yeah it's like you don't know when it's going to happen you just know it's going to happen which yeah. is like the best kind of jump scare this really did like flirt with a lot of different genres like it was funny throughout but it mm-hmm. did really like pay tribute to the horror elements yes. and the documentary elements obviously which we talked about mm-hmm. but yeah i just thought this one was like i keep seeing this in the rotten tomatoes reviews uh-huh. but pitch perfect pitch yeah. perfect comes up a lot and it is true for what it was trying to do they nailed it mm-hmm. without a doubt and one of the things that i really appreciated which you know just being as frequent of a movie watcher as I am. Like, I'm not even that into horror movies, but the timing of some of, like, the sort of scary stuff, so good. Like, it was, like, the the timing was, they nailed it to the point where I'm like, if they had wanted to make this, like, not comedic and actually, like, a scary, I don't even know if you call it, like, a mockumentary found footage, whatever, Mm -hmm. they could have done that. Yeah. Which, that's another version of this movie that I would think would be kind of interesting better i don't think so necessarily mm-hmm. but it would have been interesting yeah, like do if somebody had chosen to do this story as a as a and played it straight as vampires mm-hmm. and took like the the story beats all the way through and decided to make it like an actual like not a mockumentary just like a staged documentary mm-hmm. i think that could have been really interesting too yeah Again, i mean yeah there's a lot of angles to take this it just yeah it just opens up a million possibilities which I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but, like, the whole idea of a vampire movie opening up a world of new possibilities is an accomplishment on its own because the vampire genre has been, like, played into the dirt, so to speak. Right. Especially um, in, like, 2014, I feel like we were still kind of in the height of, like, Twilight was still coming out, I think. I don't, I'm not uh, totally sure on that. But, you know, it, we were at least closer to it if it wasn't. Yeah, but for sure. Speaking of, like, kind of that horror balance... The moment where Nick is kind of being chased through the house. It's one of the first scenes where... Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's getting chased out of the house as they're trying to, like, attack him. That sequence, it was so suspenseful. Yes. You really feel that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's so funny. And you see, like, the cat with Jemaine Clement's face, and they've already... Oh, my God, I forgot about that. He can't get the faces right. (laughs) (laughs) Like was hilarious. To to feel both of those things at the same time, to be, like, laughing at Mm -hmm. this... Mm -hmm. This thing that they really set up beautifully. Yes. And then also feel that that tension of, like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, this guy is, like, potentially going to get killed was just so deft. And and that's a third, kind of a third 
genre that we haven't really touched on too much because like we kind of talked about documentary style slash mockumentary we talked about vampire tropes Mm -hmm. we didn't really talk about the horror comedy aspect of Mm -hmm. it which most of the time when somebody makes a horror comedy they're making a comedy that is kind of like a parody of horror movies Mm -hmm. whereas occasionally you'll get a movie like Shaun of the Dead or American Werewolf in London or something like that, where it's like, it has comedy, and it's got legitimately, like, scary elements to it as well, where it's sure. like, it's, that it plays the horror straight, but it's also a comedy with, like, horror movie elements. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough balancing act, but, Absolutely. like, the scene you just described where, the, where he's being chased through the house, like, that looked a lot like the found footage movies that mm-hmm. have kind of, like, proliferated, um, and, if you didn't know, like, if you saw that scene out of context, like, you might oscillate much more wildly between thinking, like, horror movie, comedy, horror movie, comedy. Like, that's, it, it, it's crazy. And they both work, like you said, they both work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like you said, like, the big, one of the biggest laughs that I can't believe I forgot about was Jermaine Clement's face on that <laughs> dog or cat or whatever it was. It was, it was. He was like, Meow. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that, that, that was the part that made me, that was the first part that really made me, like, laugh out loud yeah. in this movie. Um, but yeah, we said it Buschetti. We said it something differently at the, in the beginning. Buschetti, yeah, yeah, Buschetti. <laughs> Do you like Buschetti? <laughs> Again, no. All apparently, all uh, all vampires are Eastern European. You know, anything else about this movie you want to talk about? I mean, honestly, it was. Uh, there's <sighs> the short answer is. Not really, only because I feel like it does. It's a movie that really just needs to be experienced to be fully appreciated. Absolutely. Like, like all movies, but but in a way that's like it's hard to really articulate what made this movie enjoyable. Yeah, it's it it's. I don't want to go as far as to call it like pure cinema in that way, but it's like it definitely is just something that use uses every tool available to create something that is unique mm-hmm. within a genre that has pretty much been exhausted mm. or seem, seemingly um, and it's also very funny it's like it's unique it's funny it does have scary moments I feel like a little bit but they're offset by the humor um, I, you know I thought it, it, it was I thought it was very good mm. um, enjoyed it like I said a little bit on the cutesy side for me mm-hmm. but not in a way that I felt was distracting gotcha that is I it's interesting you say that because um, as I was watching this I was like why did this have such an impression on me? Like, why did I choose this movie? Because I've only seen it once before this. Mm. And I didn't have a strong memory of it. Like, I couldn't have told you the plot, like, (laughs) thoroughly. I could have told you, you know, like, the thing about the beast and Nick getting transformed into a vampire and stuff, but just loose kind of scenes. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's just like, it's just great. It's just (laughs) really enjoyable to watch. It's funny. It's just you feel like everyone who made it had a really good time yeah. and that makes it totally worth it it's it's kind of a tough movie to talk about because so much of about it is sort of like intangible yeah like it's just so much of the enjoyment is just how well executed it was mm-hmm. it doesn't really come necessarily from the moments or anything like that and you know it does have some substance to the story but that's not necessarily what makes it enjoyable to watch it's just like how well the concept was executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really not a whole lot you can say about that. It's just like a te- like it's something you have to see and you recognize it when you see it. Um, you know, it takes a lot of talent to have, uh, first of all, come up with this idea and be able to execute so well with 
pretty small budget. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, like, partly that, like, Marvel must have been calling this guy within a year and a half after this movie came out. Right. Obviously, like, at, at most, like, probably like a year mm-hmm. um, to be able to have Thor come out at the end of last year. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure it was in production for at least a year. They've had the Marvel movies scheduled out for mm-hmm. ever. Like, they've been posting that, like, this is what's going to come out for the next 25 years. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Like I say, it's, <laughs> this is, doesn't, doesn't make for good radio, but it's, it's the truth. Like, it's just good execution. Taika Waititi is good at movies. You know what? Get on it, Hollywood. Give him something big. <laughs> anyway. So... Bigger than Marvel. Yeah. Give him a Star Wars. Ugh. Are those bigger than Marvel? We could debate this later. Anyway. Um... So you would recommend? I would recommend selectively. Fans, oh. fa- well, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Okay. I would say, like, I, I would have to kind of know what someone's taste in movies is like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some movies I recommend that everybody should see. If you've gone this long without seeing Star Wars, just suck it up. You're not impressing anybody. Just watch it. It's a cultural touchstone. Okay? <laughs> We're not if, impressed with your if you If you've gone this long without seeing, like, The Godfather, like, I understand you're not, or Citizen Kane or whatever. It's like, yeah, I understand. Like, not everybody wants to, like, sit down and watch an old movie. But just do it. Bite the bullet. These are, like, these are, these are things that are, like, cultural touchdowns. I don't tip. Go ahead. Start a podcast with a cinephile and they'll make you watch this. Hell yeah. But don't compete with us because we will kill you. We will kill you. Do that for like, I don't know, music or something. Yeah, do that for something other than movies because movies are taken. Yeah. (laughs) The one movie podcast you need. That's us. One movie podcast on the internet. That's (laughs) us. Anyway, all that to say, I don't necessarily think this movie falls into that category of I think that every breathing human being needs to watch this movie or should. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think some people would enjoy it, and I wouldn't want to recommend this movie to people that wouldn't like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like there are some people who probably haven't seen it that would love it. Sure. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. I think I think it's just, it's it's adorable. It's funny. It's worth your time. It's literally like, what, an hour 20? I agree with everything you just said, and that's part of the reason why I don't think I would recommend it to everybody. Why? I don't know if everybody likes, uh, like, adorable Okay, all right. You know I mean? Back to the cutesy, and that's, yeah. That's I mean, true. there's nothing wrong with it. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's but yes, if you are fans of, like, Flight of the Concords, or Shaun of the Dead, or just offbeat comedy in general, yeah. or if you're just interested in, like, vampire movies, and you are sick of the fact that there are not a lot of good ones out. Um, At least not anymore. Twilight's off the air. <laughs> which is the best Twilight movie? Uh... I don't know. First one? I don't, I, I don't know. No, go on. You clearly have an opinion on this. I don't. I'm asking you because you see, you are the one that obviously has an opinion about it because they <laughs> I did, reference that it didn't sound like a joke. Okay. All right. Yeah. I read the books. Yeah, so cool. I was in middle school. I have no Look, shame. I didn't say anything. I was the target demo. Didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. All right. I did. Anyway. So yeah, obviously I would recommend, yeah, fair. I can't say that everyone will like everything, but... <laughs> I think there's a probably a pretty good chance that you will like this listener, mm-hmm. whoever you are. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with that. If you're listening to this As podcast. As if I don't know all of our listeners personally. <laughs> if you are listening to this podcast, you probably enjoy this movie. I don't necessarily think that I would recommend it to everybody that I know. Does that make sense? Does that make a little more sense? I, yeah. No, I, I, I follow you. I just, you it's know, fun. It's a fun movie. It's worth a shot. It's not that long. Yeah. If you don't like it, yeah, just... I don't know. Just keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> keep your damn opinions to yourself. We've got the podcast here, not you. 
<laughs> anyway, so with that being said, uh, tell me about the next episode, Kat. Well, it is actually another mockumentary, would you believe it? A genre that I don't particularly care for. <laughs> really? You've brought two out of the three mockumentaries that's to us, true. so that's well, very uh, Oh no, one of them was an actual documentary. It was a documentary. It was um, just a silly documentary. A very, a very silly documentary. Um, but anyhow... Yeah, it is another mockumentary, arguably the OG mockumentary from the OG mockumentary crew. Um, also, it is a movie that has transcended just comedy movies and become a cultural touchstone uh, among musicians for the last 35 years Whoa. and one of the most influential films of its decade, I would say. Okay. No exaggeration. Kay, have you seen... This is Spinal Tap. I have not. And it's been on the list for so long. We will get into this, but this is a family classic that I haven't That is a seen. very weird way to describe this movie. Not not in a family-friendly way. Like, my family, <laughs> this is one of... We don't own a lot of DVDs. This is one of the DVDs we own, and I have never seen it. So Right next to the Cabin of Dr. Caligari rock opera and Force 10 from Navarone? Yes, absolutely. Next to both of those. And Blues Brothers, which I didn't see for a very long time. For similar reasons. So I we kinda will get wish, into that I kind of wish you episode. hadn't seen the Blues Brothers. Cause I no, really I've like seen Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers. Uh, Blues Brothers 2000. So. Uh, yeah, we won't talk about that one. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, yeah, so I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm glad you're excited about it as well. So next week, this is Spinal Tap. But for right now, I'm Kyle. I'm Kari. And we will see you next week. Spray it, bitch! Clifton, why are you swearing all the time?